So this is Daily Power Parsha. It is uh, Wednesday, March 3rd. Wow. 3, 3, 21. 3 and 3 and 2 plus 1 is 3 also. So that means that 3s are wild, which means chazaka, which means that we have to have a lot of energy today. So let's jump into our reading. And by the way, if that didn't make sense, don't worry. It also didn't 100% make sense to me. But you don't, you don't see me complaining about it, right? I'm still rolling with it. So let's, uh, let's roll with it. Um, Kitisa is our Torah portion. We read about the sin of the golden calf. That was a pretty big one, if you ask me. And also, if you ask God and Moses, frankly, it was a pretty big deal. But the good news is that Moses was doing his thing. He was advocating. First Jewish lawyer. He was doing his thing to defend the Jewish people. And as we discussed yesterday, some were punished. But most, the vast majority, were forgiven. But as we ended off yesterday's conversation, um, there was a mention by God, uh, and let me get to where we ended off yesterday to show you what I'm referring to. God tells Moses, by the way, you know, I I forgive you guys, or I forgive the people, but I I still don't want to hang around for, I'm still not coming over for dinner. You know what I mean? It's kind of like, listen, I'm not, I'm not upset. I'm not, I don't, I don't wish you ill. I forgive you. But do I want to go to Six Flags together and ride the roller coasters with you? I don't know. I'm going to find someone else to do that, right? Are we going to go out to dinner? Maybe not. So God says over here, wow, what a, what a long reading. Wow. Yeah, we, there's a lot of stuff that we covered. Essentially, God says here, Exodus 33, verse 2, I will send an angel before you. So God says, I'm going to keep my promise. I will drive out the nations. I'll bring you to the land flowing with milk and honey, whatever. All that's going to happen. So nothing about the end game is going to change. I'm going to stick with my promise. But yeah, I don't know that I'm hanging out. I don't, I don't know that it's going to be me. I'm going to send the rep. I'll send the representative. I'm going to send the angel. This is where, oh, and then even Moses is still kind of, you know, not so keen on, on, on what happened, so he moves his own tent outside the camp. That's how we ended off yesterday. So God and Moses are both like, uh, you know, things are a little, still a little tension. But here we see, once again, the advocacy of Moshe. So take a look at how this begins, how this, well, third reading, th- these are short readings. We're going to do three and four. They're just really short readings. So let's do these readings. Um, Exodus 33, uh, verse 12, Moses said to the Lord, look, you say to me, bring this people up, but you have not informed me, one second, but you have not informed me whom you will send with me. Look at, look at that line. He's telling God, you told me to bring this people up to the land of Israel, up means, um, to the land of Israel. But you have not informed me with whom you will send, uh, um, whom you will send with me. In other words, you said an angel. I'll send an angel with you. I need more details. And essentially, he's not asking. Oh, hey, Max, good to see you. He wasn't only asking for um, like the name of the angel and a and a you know cell phone number in case they got you know separated or something. It, it was more of, you know, I, I I'm not so happy with this arrangement of only having an angel. And I feel like you're kind of, uh, you know, letting us, you know, just letting us dangle out here. And you said, Moses continues, I have known you by name and you have also found favor in my eyes. Right. So a few things. 
First of all, you told me that we're, that, that, this is again, Moses speaking to God. And he's kind of, he's, he's a little chutzpah here. He says to God, look, you're telling me that the, the mission stays the same. We're supposed to go up to the land of Israel and I'm supposed to be leading them up. Sure. Who is, who, where's the spiritual protection here? Who's doing that? You said angel. I don't know what angel is. I'm going to send an angel with you. What is that, like an MLB trade, a Major League Baseball trade, and, and, and for a player to be named later? Like, what is that? Like an angel to be named? Oh, yeah, 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 we'll send an angel. Like, Give me details, but it's not just I want details. It's I want you to get back with us. That's what Moses' end game is. But look at how he gets there. So he says, you haven't told me who's coming with us. And you said, I've known you by name and you've found favor in my eyes. In other words, you told me that, that I've achieved forgiveness for the people. In other words, that my advocacy is working and, and, and I have found favor in your eyes. Well, if that's the case, says Moses, verse 13, he goes in for the kill. And now, if I have indeed found favor in your eyes, pray, let me know your ways so that I may know you, so that I may find favor in your eyes and consider that this nation is your people. So, <laughs> Moses is, again, not satisfied with just getting basic level forgiveness. He wants the whole deal. And I mentioned this before, but I want to I like reiterate it now. We know in human relationships, right? Eh, somebody does something they shouldn't have done and things get a little bit tense. There are stages in reconciliation, right? Step one is stop the fighting. Step two is start, com start conversing about other things. Whatever it is, I'm not going to map it out because everything is different and every situation is different and, and every relationship is unique. The point is that it happens in stages. So Moses right now is trying to get to the next stage of forgiveness where God's not, it's not a cold war, not a, well, not even a war, but a cold, you know, you know, let's, you do you, I do I, and we're not going to, you know, we're not going to hang out together. He wants to bridge that gap a little bit. So Moses says, look, look, if I have found favor in your eyes, if that's the case, if I have indeed found favor in your eyes, then let me know your ways so that I may know you. So he's asking, number one, for this kind of, you know, a, a more intimate knowledge of God, a way to know, to understand God. And he says... Consider that this nation is your people, which means, essentially, that this is your people. You should be leading them, not sending an angel. If this is really your people, then you need to be representing yourself and not represented through a representative, right? If this is yours, then own it. So he said, God said, back to Moses, All right, my presence will go and I will give you rest. In other words, God says, all right, fine, I agree. You wanted me and not my angel? You got it. This is a, this is a breakthrough verse, verse 14. This is, and I believe Don asked the question yesterday, does that mean that after the sin of the golden calf, God says, you know, you're on your own, so to speak. Does that mean we're no longer the chosen people or the Jewish people? Right. So here we see that God says, due to Moses kind of pushing, you know what? I'm back in the game. My presence will go. That's a big line right there. And I will give you rest. doesn't mean I'll give you rest. Like you could take a vacation because I'm going to be there. It just means that I'm going to be working with you on this. I'm not just sending an angel. I am indeed going to, going to follow this through 
and, um, and, and be there with you every step of the way. All right, let's continue. So Moses said back, says back to God. You see, Moses doesn't, he's not afraid to have a real conversation with God. He said to God, if your presence does not go with us, then don't bother. Then do not take us up from here. In other words, God just said, I, I will send my presence. And Moses is like, you better, because if you don't, then, then we're not even going. <laughs> That's what he says. If, if you're not going to go with us directly, then there's no point, right? We didn't, we didn't do this. We didn't follow you into the wilderness. We didn't say yes to the Torah. We didn't do all of this stuff to hang out with an angel, right? That's not why we're here. We're here for you and not for anything else. By the way, this is a very deep idea, I think. It's a very deep idea that's brought in Kabbalah as well through the following parable. You know what? I'm going to stop sharing because I want to share because uh, I want to tell you or share with you this. Um, I think it's a beautiful parable. Tell a story about a fellow who is invited to the palace, to the royal palace. He's never been, right? Never been. He goes to the royal palace. By the way, parenthetically, anybody been to Buckingham Palace before in England? Yes? Yes? I have. I was outside. I wasn't inside. Outside, yeah. That's yeah, yeah. Outside. outside. I didn't have tea with... Oh, Sandrine, yeah. Did you go inside? No. No, yeah. I don't think they... Whatever. I don't know how, I don't know how that works. But imagine... So the story goes that one day this guy gets an invite. Go inside. In the, in, in the summer, I think in August, when the queen is on vacation. Oh, when she's out. Do you remember that story where somebody ended up in the queen's bedroom? Somebody broke in? That was a crazy story. Listen, I'm not going to ask Joy by now. You know, there's no, no, you don't even need to fact check me. I'm kidding. No, but you, you remember that story, right? That was a crazy story. Some dude just breaks in and whatever. Anyway, but getting back to our tale. This is a parable brought in Kabbalah. So this guy is invited to the king's... Wait, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. No, a few people were invited to the king's palace. A few people. So, so the, 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 the tale goes like this, that the first guy walks in and he sees like the magnificent, um, I don't know, the, the grandeur of the building and he sees like ministers and officers and he gets carried away with the beauty and with the ministers and, you know, and he, he gets distracted. And the second guy also gets distracted. Third guy gets distracted. But it takes a clever person, a really smart person to say, I don't want to get distracted by anything. I don't want to see the artwork. I don't want to see the treasures. I don't want to speak with the ministers and the officials and the high-powered officials. I only want to connect with the king. I want to go straight to meet with the king. That's my opportunity. That's where I want to go. And in Kabbalah, it's brought as an analogy for people who get distracted by spirituality and forget about God. Right? What the, the difference would be, spirituality is that which makes us feel spiritually excited. So it could be that we can get excited about spirituality, right? But forget about God, right? And again, that's a subtle, it's a, a bit of a subtle concept. And we don't have enough time today to really develop. That's more of like a Kabbalah and coffee um, concept, which could take a whole session. And please, God, we'll do, it, do that at some point. The reason why I mentioned that is... Because in essence, that's what Moses is saying. Moses is saying is, look, we didn't sign up for this. I didn't sign up for this. The people didn't sign up for this. Because like we really fell in love with your Torah. It's not about the Torah. I, I'm putting, I know I'm putting words in Moses' mouth. But what he's saying is, it was your Torah. That's why we, that's why we said yes. 
It wasn't about the stuff. It's about you. Does that make sense? Because it was your Torah, that's why we said yes. Because it's your promised land, that's why we're gonna that's why we're looking forward to it. We're not in it because it objectively has its own value. To us, the value is that you value it. If you value it, then we'll value it because that's how we hang around you. That's how we get to hang around with you. But if you're telling us that, you know what, you're not going to hang around with me anymore, but you get the Torah, you get Israel, Moses says, but that's not, that's, I mean, yeah, that, that's great. I don't want, I'm, I'm, my intention, by the way, is not to diminish those things, but to understand the means and the end, so to speak, right? The core of it is not about, you know, the Jews, oh, they love the Torah. They really wanted the Ten Commandments. It, it was, it was God. It was about, it was about God. And so Moses says to God, if you're not going to go with us, then we're all not going to bother going up. That's literally what Moses says. After God says, my presence will go with you, well, I will go with you, Moses says, okay, great, because if not, then we're not even going to go in. Because that's not, we're not looking to go to Israel. That's not, that's not a thing in and of itself. We're looking to go to Israel because that's where you want us to be. And that's where you're going to be. But if you're not going to be, it's almost like going on vacation. I think I used this example recently in a class. But going on vacation with a loved one to Hawaii, right? Is it about Hawaii or is it about spending time with, your, with, with, with a loved one, right? What's, what's the agenda? So, so, so your loved one says, you know what? I'm not going to go. But enjoy your trip. Enjoy your trip. I, what kind of trip? It's not, it's not, I'm not looking to go to Hawaii. Now, by the way, I know it's a bad example because people might be looking to go to Hawaii without anybody. I'm not saying it has to be like this, but I'm just giving a scenario where, where a person might say, I, I, I'm not going to go without you. The whole point is to go with you. That's what Moses is saying to God. I, you know, I used the word chutzpah before. I, it's kind of chutzpah, but it's, what it is is love. It's really, it's real love that is just expressing itself in a really honest and unfiltered way. Right? It's not really chutzpah. It's, it's honesty. It's a real relationship. It's a real honest relationship and a real honest chat with God. I think it's, it's quite powerful. All right. I mean, not that the Torah needs my, like, you know, on the back and say, oh, Rabbi Solosh thinks it's powerful. I, it's Torah, right? But I'm just saying that th this idea, these ideas, this dialogue resonates with me just very strongly. Okay, let's continue. We're going to do the last verse of this reading, and then we're going to jump right into the next. Um, okay. Um, for how then, says Moses, on a logistical level, if your presence does not go with us, then how then will, will it be known that I found favor in your eyes, I and your people? Is it not in that you will go with us? In other words, how do we know, how do I know, how does anybody know that we're okay, that we're in, in a good place in our relationship, right? If not, that you will go with us. So that is the clearest indication I actually want to get back to my uh, my Hawaii example. If if there's an issue, there's if there was an issue that came up in the relationship and whatever, and then there's this trip that's been planned for a while, and then the other party says, you know, I've no, I forgive you, it's fine, we're good, but you know what, I'm just not feeling, you know, I, I just don't want to go, but you you should go. You know what that means? We're not good. <laughs> we're not good yet. At least we're not as good as good could be. Right? Like I said before, it's a step, 
but it's not all the way. So Moses says, how will it be known that I found favor in your eyes? Is it not that you will go with us? If you don't come with us to Israel on that vacation slash, you know, the big move, then, then does that, then are we really okay? So then he says, if you do, then I, am, I, I and your people will be distinguished from every other na- nation on the face of the earth. In other words, then we will know that we have this relationship and this connection together. If not, then, then clearly, not either number one, we don't know, or, or number two, we know, and we know that we don't have that type of relationship anymore and that, it, that this harmed it um, in a way that can't be recovered. So God agrees, and the Lord said to Moses, I mean, Moses was such a good negotiator. I mean, seriously, look at this guy. Moses says to, God says to Moses, yes, even this thing that you have spoken, I will do. Yes, all right, deal. It's, I'll make it clear and obvious. I'm with you, you're with me, etc. <laughs> Everyone will know that we're together, all right? Don't, you have nothing to worry about. For you have found favor in my eyes, and I have known you by name. I like that last line, I've known you by name. That kind of indicates the, the closeness of God and Moses' relationship. Now, Moses is not done. Are you kidding? You think, you think he's done? He's not done. He's not done. Moses realizes, as the commentaries point out, that it is an ace rut zone, which means an auspicious time. God is open. I hesitate to use human terms because it's not 100% accurate, but if you want to say God is vulnerable, God is open, God is raw, God is real, God, God is always these things, but in this context, it's being manifest, right, in, in a way to Moses. So Moses decides that he's going to ask for even more and see what happens. Roll some dice over here. So, Mo, so Moses says in verse 18, Show me now your glory. What was that line in that movie, Lahabdil? Um, show me the truth. What was it? You can't handle the truth. What was that line? Um, whatever. Who knows? Doesn't matter. A few good men. A few good men. Few good men. What was the line though? You can't handle the truth. No, but what? Yeah, but what was the what was the request? Tell me the. Show me the truth. Tell me the truth. Right, you can't handle the truth. Right, right, right. So that's essentially what happens here also with Moses and God. God says, sorry, Moses says to God, show me your glory, which means I want to see everything. If, 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 if you're on board with, with being open and, and reveal, then show me right now, me personally, not everybody, but show me everything. God said in reply, no deal. I will let all my goodness pass before you. I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you and I will favor when I wish to favor and I will have compassion when I wish to have compassion. And he said, you will not be able to see my face for man shall not see me and live. Basically, essentially, God says, you'll know when you know and you'll know what you know, but you will not be able to see everything. I'm going to explain this further. Don't worry. I'm going to, I just want to go through a few verses and then I want to, I'll circle back to explain. And the Lord said, Lord continued to say, and 21, behold, there is a place with me. Oh, look at this. Makom iti. Makom iti. Place. One of the words for God, one of the euphemisms for God is makom, space or place. That is the word that's right here. 
That's when in the traditional line of consolation related to our journey of the, of the soul course, we say, Hamakom yenachem aschem, may God, may the omnipresent, may the place with the capital P, may God come for you, right? So that, that, this is the first time I believe in scripture that we find this word associated with God. So God says, behold, there is a place with me. Now that could either mean literally like I got, I got a spot or space itself is with me. I am the space of the world. The world is not outside of my space. Anyway, there's different ways to understand it. Simple way, according to Kabbalah, I, I, I share with you two different options, but let's continue to get the bigger picture. So God says, behold, there is a place with me or space is with me and you shall stand on the rock. And it shall be that when my glory passes by, because remember uh, Moses said, show me your glory. So God says, when my glory, I'm going to put you on the rock. When my glory passes by, I will place you into the cleft of the rock and I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will remove my hand and you will see my back, but my face shall not be seen. And now you're wondering, probably all of you are wondering what in the world is going on here. But I wanted to do all these verses to get the, the bigger picture of the narrative. And then let me give you one interpretation. There are many, there are, as you can imagine, there's probably hundreds of ways, at least dozens of ways, in Jewish commentaries of understanding what exactly is happening in this dialogue, because it's so cryptic, it's so you know, vague. I want to share with you one approach. God, Moses is asking God, show me your glory, which means I want to see behind the curtain. I want to see how you operate, why you operate. You know when people ask the question, you know, why do, why do bad things happen to good people? And why, does, why do good people suffer? And why did God allow the Holocaust to happen? All of these questions, which are 100% legitimate and valid questions, right? Moses is essentially saying, I want to go behind the curtain and see how you operate. I want to see how this is done. I want to see, yeah, I want to see everything. And God's answer is essentially just a cut to the end of the narrative about the idea of the glory passing by, covering his face or covering him with God's hand, and then he's only able to see the back of God, but not the face. Essentially, again, according to this approach, I'm only sharing with you one approach that, I, that resonates with me and that I feel, you know, kind of captures the essence of this dialogue, at least in one way. So what God is telling Moses is, you will not ever be able to understand going into pain, challenge, or suffering why it's happening. In retrospect, we can look back and perhaps for ourselves, not for anyone else's suffering, but for ourselves and say, well, you know, this challenge in my life has allowed me to gain this strength or this perspective or this opportunity. So in retrospect, we have some, not full, but some perspective in retrospect. That's what it means. Again, according to this approach, you will see my back but my face shall not be seen. So in retrospect, you can see my back, but even when you see the back, when you see the back, you don't get all the details. It's not like seeing the face, right? A back is not the face. A back is blank, if you will. A face gives you features and gives you an indication about how a person's thinking, what they're thinking, how they're feeling. So what God is saying is you can gain some perspective behind the curtain in retrospect, but what you're looking for is impossible. It's impossible. Why? Going back to verse 20, you will not be able to see my face for man shall not see my face and live. It's not possible because the moment 
you join the perspective of the creator, you cease to be creation. You can only be on one side of the divide, so to speak. You can either be creation or creator. And number one, I'm already here, says God. But number two, you won't be able to live. On a very basic level, you can't remain where you are, who you are, having crossed over to this side. I hope that makes sense. To me, it makes sense. I, I even can think of other, other experiences, like totally different experiences, that also speak to the same truth. In other words, once you go to that other side, you, you can never look at the thing again the same as you did before, having been on the other side. So for example, let's say um, employer versus employee, right? Boss versus worker. So when you're working for someone, you have one perspective. When you have somebody working for you, you have a different perspective. The moment you cross over, let's say, to that other perspective, right, now you're the, you're the one that's employing others, then you'll never look at the other side the same again. Because now you have too much information. I know I'm giving a very, very, like, completely different and, you know, mundane example. But again, just, just an example to, to, to highlight this, this truth. Once you cross over to the other side, everything will change. Nothing will be the same ever again. So that's, again, that's just a little one way of understanding this dialogue where Moses says, if God is really being open, if God is really being forthcoming, God is really putting himself out there, well then God, I want to know all your secrets. And God says, I can't share. I'll give you some insight. In retrospect, you know, you can maybe weave some things together in hindsight. You can say, oh, that happened and then that happened. So it looks like that was part of a plan. I'm going to give, I'll allow you to do that. But going into it, you're not going to have that perspective. It's impossible. It's impossible to be you, a human being, and have that perspective. All right, let's actually do one more reading only because we don't have class tomorrow because Thursday I have the, the JLI. And then Friday we'll do six and seven. So we have plenty to do Friday. So let's do one more and, and the three and four were short. So let's do number five. It's also short. Now there's one piece that's still outstanding. One mess to still clean up and that is the broken tablets, right? So forgiveness and God is going to lead the people that are, everything is kind of reset, but we still have a bag full of glass or whatever stone that's shattered. So what about the tablets? So here we go. Chapter 34. God, Lord said to Moses, hew for yourself two stone tablets like the first ones. In other words, let's get a new set going here. And I will inscribe, God says, so you make the stones and I'll do the inscription. And I will inscribe upon the tablets the words that were on the first tablets, which you broke. I love how he, God says, by the way, what happened to the first tablets? Yeah, that was you, Moses, which you broke. Which, by the way, Rashi says that you broke is, um, uh, one second... What? Where is it? Where is it? It's not in here? All right. Um, it must be somewhere else. Okay, whatever. Um, there, there are commentaries and Rashi elsewhere brings it. Asher Shibarta. Asher could also be understood not just which, like the tablets that you broke or which you broke, but Asher could also mean like Yasher Koach, 
which means good job. Good on you, mate, for doing it. So God is not just saying that, that you broke the tablets, but thank you for breaking the tablets because, as we mentioned yesterday, breaking the tablets was actually destroying the evidence of the fact that what they did with serving the golden calf was a wrongdoing in the first place because the tablets said, do not worship idols or do not have any other gods. Broken tablets means that that record, at least before the cloud backup, that record was destroyed. So God is saying, thank you for breaking the tablets so that we can, you know, start the path of resolution. Anyway, that's just an insight on that. Bottom line is, God says, let's get a second set of tablets going. Be prepared in the morning, sorry, for the morning. And in the morning, you shall ascend Mount Sinai and stand before me there on the top of the mountain. By the way, in case you're counting, this is the third time that Moses goes up the mountain. Remember, the first time was right after Sinai, Revelation at Sinai, he went up to receive communication for the rest of Torah. The second time he went up was to get forgiveness after the sin of the golden calf. This is the third time he goes up to get more laws and to get the inscription on the second set of tablets. I hope that makes sense. And according to our understanding, our tradition, and the Torah also mentions it, each time he was on the mountain was 40 days. So 40, 40, 40, so about 120 days he spent on the mountain total. Um, for this trip up the mountain, no one shall ascend with you, um, as was the custom in the previous two experiences as well. Neither shall anyone be seen anywhere on the mountain, neither shall the sheep and the cattle graze facing that mountain. So clear the mountain, come on up, and uh, we're going to do our thing. So Moses hewed two stone tablets like the first ones, and Moses rose early in the morning and ascended Mount Sinai as the Lord had commanded him, and he took the two stone tablets in his hand. Now, I think I want to mention, let me see if there's a Rashi here. Hold on. Where is the Rashi? It must be elsewhere in Torah. But Rashi says, where did Moses get the stone from? It says that he discovered a sapphire mine right near his tent or under his tent, whatever, and, and from there, he hewed these two stone tablets that were made out of sapphire. Let's continue inside. Um, and the Lord descend, verse 5, And the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there. So Moses goes up to the top of the mountain, and God meets him coming down to that same top of the mountain. So the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there, and he called out, In the name of the Lord, and the Lord passed before him and proclaimed. Now these are the 13 attributes of divine compassion, which we recite for all time in moments of challenge and in moments of petition. High holidays, even daily in our penit uh, uh, prayers of penitence, either way we're reminding God of God's own self-proclaimed compassion. Take a look at these 13 attributes of mercy. Lord, Lord, benevolent God, who is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, and abundant in loving kindness and truth, preserving loving kindness for thousands, forgiving iniquity and rebellion and sin, yet he does not completely clear of sin. He visits the iniquity of parents and children and children's children to the third and fourth generations. Okay, this is the second time I think in Torah that we've had this already. Um, so, so a mitzvah, a good deed, is for thousands of generations. And for iniquity, it's third and fourth generations, which is, again, that's, that raises its own question. Why would children, you know, have any sort of baggage from parents? 
We're gonna have to leave that. I don't know that I have a good answer for that right now. So let's just leave that question. It's a good question. Let's leave it aside for right now. The bottom line is that overall, without that little last piece, um, these are considered. These are this this section is called the thirteen attributes of mercy or compassion, where God is. This is God proclaiming, right? The Lord passed before him and proclaimed. God is saying about Himself that He is benevolent, compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, abundant in loving kindness and truth, etc. So God is self-proclaiming these attributes. So, for example, on the high holidays, we ask God for the blessings and for forgiveness, and then we say, and don't you remember, God, you are benevolent, compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, abundant in loving kindness and truth, preserving loving kindness for thousands, forgiving iniquity and rebellion and sin, etc. So we actually evoke these 13 attributes of mercy on, on occasion, and even, again, daily in our prayers. Except for Shabbat. Shabbat, we don't ask for forgiveness. We don't mention any kind of penitence prayers, you know, petitionary, um, not petitionary. We don't mention any types of prayers of forgiveness and, 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 and that sort of thing. Because it's Shabbos, everything is in a higher state anyway. Let's continue. Moses experienced all this. Again, Moses on the mountain. God is descending from the mountain and kind of revealing himself in this way. So Moses hastened, bowed his head to the ground, and prostrated himself. And he said, and Moses says to God, you know, God revealing himself in this compassionate modality. So Moses says, If I have now found favor in your eyes, O Lord, let the Lord go now in our midst, even if they are a stiff-necked people. Twice or three times God has told Moses, these people, they're stiff-necked, they're so obstinate. Now Moses is telling God, if you're really gracious, if you're really benevolent, if you're really compassionate and loving and forgiving, then go with us, even if they are a stiff-necked people. And you shall forgive our iniquity and our sin and thus secure us as your possession. You should know that this is the next stage in the arc of Moses' petitions. So Moses, like, I, I, in my head, I have like four different stages. One of them, he got shot down. That's the last one about you know, God revealing the, the deepest secrets. So that petition got shut down. But this one is, is embraced, ultimately. What Moses is saying is he wants to get a preemptive promise. I don't know if that's the right word, but a, um, whatever, a preemptive promise of forgiveness. Basically, Moses is saying is, look, you're going to come back with us and you're going to lead us, but most likely we will disappoint you again, right? Most likely... Because they are a stiff-necked people, so, and, but I don't want you then to say, well, now I'm out. You're, let's go in this knowing that more stuff is going to happen that you don't like. But you shall forgive our iniquity and our sin and thus secure us as your possession, notwithstanding what we do or don't do for all time. That's next level. That's next level petition from Moses to God. That's not just forgive us. That's not just, you know, be with us directly, don't send your angel. That's even if we mess up again, we want to I want to guarantee now that you're not going to drop us then and, and evoke this. I gave you a second chance, so that's it, we're done. No, 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 none of that. None of that. You're in, you're in. That's the simple understanding. A deeper understanding is take out the word even because that's in, in brackets. What, what Moses is saying to God is go in our midst not if, but because they are a stiff-necked people. 
Essentially, what Moses is saying to God is the fact that they're so stubborn, yes, it, it could manifest negatively, but it could be the, the, the best thing also. Because, and just look at Jewish history. I mean, talk about a people whose faith has been attempted to be pounded out of them, and still, we're still stubborn. We're not going anywhere. Moses says, the, the quality that's irked you a little bit, or that you're mentioning as a negative, I want to flip as a positive. And honestly, you want these people, you want them because they're going to stick with, they may not always get it right. They're, they're not always going to get it right, guaranteed. But they're going to stick with you through thick and thin. Even when it seems like you've dropped them, they're going to stick with you. They're going to stick with you. And that's, I mean, it's not, I'm not saying theoretically. I'm literally thinking about even recent history, relatively recent history in the last 70, 80 years. Yeah, even when one could reasonably say, that's it. God is not watching you. God is not protecting you. We're, we still haven't, we still haven't given up, given in, you know, abandoned uh, our faith. Why? Because we're a stiff-necked people. It works both ways. It, works. it could be a liability. It could also be a strength. Moses says to God, look at it as a strength. And it will pay off. All right. We, we did a lot today. We did three readings. And each one literally has so many different ways of interpreting. And I gave you kind of one path that I hope kind of ran through the arc of the narrative. I hope it made sense. Um, in conclusion, let's be stubborn for what's right. Let's be stubborn for truth. And not give in, not give up. And uh, remain steadfast to what we really believe in. Thank you for joining me today for at least recorded, published session number 200 of Daily Power Parsha. It's our 200th recorded and published session, and it is um, truly a pleasure to study with you. All right. Pleasure. Thank you, and thank, listen, thank, thanks for the thanks, but yeshakoach to all of you for, uh, for being part of this uh, beautiful experience. All right. We'll see you soon. Tonight, don't forget, there's Torah studies. Tonight, it will blow your mind, Torah studies. Oh, my God. We're going to look at a Talmudic debate that goes through history. And, wow. All right. I can't say more. It's going to be phenomenal. 7.30 tonight, um, Torah studies. And then, yeah, the week rolls on. All right. We'll see you all. Take care. Shalom, shalom. Bye, everybody. Good to see you. Bye, Matt. Bye, Sandrine. Bye, Ray. Bye, Donna.